Hello there, and welcome to a Dungeons and Dragons role-playing podcast. My name is Stacy, and I'm the DM. So come with me and my good friend Mick. Join us in our weekly discussion about our campaign. Listen to our successes and failures while trying to flex our role-playing muscle. The funny bits, the dumb bits, and the all-round good time that comes with this great activity. The cast is an Asmar warlock named Elbrum, whose pixie familiar, Sil, is about to meet vampires. An elf-marked wizard named Calidus Magnus Lunior, who finally meets Lieutenant Mehmet. A Dabu Knoll cleric of the Kudu tribe, Oraki. The human paladin, Kalen Vendis, who's crossed the Middle Sea from Caplion. And now, introducing a tiefling from Kush, Akmenis with wings that may be big, but might be small. Finally, there is our guest, the human fighter Odvik, who is a runaway groom. The campaign setting is the Southlands from Kobold Press. We are using the D&D 5e rule set, and we game using Fantasy Grounds Virtual Tabletop. So that's the cast, that's the campaign. Now good people, welcome to the show. In this episode, the campaign picks up after a one-shot from one of our cast members, Elbrum's player, Briar the Thorn. We find the Grey Company being woken early on a Tuesday morning. There's a large tiefling at the door, holding their mail and... Hello, dear Grey Company. I really would like to become a member. Can I sign up? A Calidus without shut-eye equals damage to a shared living space. Plus, a quote for 25 gold to patch things up. Our party skipped out on a meeting between high-profile organizations and receives a polite summons, or they face prosecution. The ears of the pallid court diplomat perk up when the GFA mentions that the Grey Company are ambassadors for the court. Eh? What's this, you say? Can it be a polite meeting when the other guy shows up with his lawyer? Arguments ensue. Who has the right of the Withered Hand artifact? Neither group is willing to give an inch. Then, the lawyer whips out a scroll of Identify. Will Kalen give over the hand? Can Oraki's voice be heard? Does Akmenis' knowledge of the law win the day? Do you want to know more? Then sit back, stay tuned, and enjoy. Alright, hello good people of the interwebs. I'm back for another chat with my friend Mick. Let's get the recording started. A couple of days ago we had our session. This was the first time we've actually had full attendance and we had six players because we just brought on two new players as well from the point of view of just making sure that we have sufficient people involved so that if one person has to miss and stuff like this. And I also because this was something we discussed and I forgot about until I listened to the previous podcast that I uploaded where we talked about punishing people who miss sessions. So this yes. session, I punished a couple of people. Yeah. And you were one of them, Mick. I, was, I got punished. Yeah, so you didn't, get did. a, you didn't get a level up like no. uh, Oraki and, and uh, Elbrum who've been quite consistent. It's interesting, isn't it? Okay, so I could be weird. I actually didn't care. It was, yeah. and I think the question was, do we level up now? And it was like, you're too late. It's already been done. Yeah. You've missed out. And you go, okay, fine. And that made sense. Yep. And I do like the fact that we've now built redundancy into a game. Yeah, I mean, th that was just the point, was just to, to make sure, because with three people, it's then you've got to tailor encounters. And I, I do not like to tailor encounters. I like people to be recognized and come in, oh, yeah, we're strong enough. We're going to take them out. Yeah. Or, wait a minute, they seem too strong. That when you were in the river of sand, yeah, and that creature killed you in with just by grabbing onto you, yeah. Clearly, you guys were. It was a situation where you needed to step back and say, "Are we are we going to be strong enough to deal with this thing?" And now we look at that and go, "No, we're not." Well, but but maybe with six people with six people, one of them is. Per, well, it's not one. It's it's this is the whole business well, of yeah, tactics in, in in working as a team. Yeah, in that particular scenario, one person might have survived. The, the first hit. But again, and the other thing too is if you've got six people, you're more likely to, to go and take on 
Well, whatever, it, whatever you're confronted with, rather than yeah, the, and it's and those are the two things. It. Do you take on what you're confronted with, or do you try to do something else? Because I'm, I'm sitting there thinking again. I, I well, I'm remembering what happened in our West Marches session where they needed to go into the cave. Well, this was with you actually because you were there yep. with Fred, and one of the guys was like, "Well, let's wait for them to come out of the cave," and I'm sitting there thinking. I, I, I always get a kick out of this. Like, I have to wonder what some of the other DMs do because I'm sitting there thinking, why would they leave the cave? They've yeah. got the advantage like, while they're in the cave. They yeah. know the terrain. They can set something up. They got supplies. There's no need for them to come out of the cave. They've got you, they've got you tunneling in through a small opening. It's, yeah. It's... And, and the question is, is well, do we... Do we sit there and wait, wait them out until they eventually run out of supplies? And I'm just sitting there thinking, you could. Yeah. Are you? I mean, and and I and I think Depending one day on I'm going to let that happen and see how long they'll be able to go and do the hunting to try to feed each other. Because like I, uh, there's one guy I played with, and I've decided that whenever he signs up, I'm not going to choose him because he's got an answer for everything. And, you know, I gave him the benefit of the doubt. I played with him about three times now. Hopefully he would catch the hints and improve and stuff like this. But he is clearly someone who's like, I've got to win. I've got to be the hero. He likes to stand out. Like, he was just saying after the session, he's like, you know, I just realized that everything that happened in Giant, I never translated to any of my other group. They didn't have a clue what was being said. I was like, yeah, that's right. And you just noticed this now, huh? (laughs) And that's because at the end of the day, you want to be the hero. You want to win, such that you are you. You forget that you've got companions. Only uh, you only remember them so long as they are of use to you. Which is guess what? Lawful evil. Mm. So, but yes, tactically, at the end of the day, when you're sitting there thinking about, I've got a creature in there. Either a, I go in, and can yeah. I deal with it? And how do I deal with it? Especially if I've got a funnel in. Yeah. Or how do I draw them out? Yeah, and drawing the maps always challenging. And, it is, and and, and and we tried that the other day when we, we in in was it the West Marches game where we tried to smoke them out. Yeah, yeah, and that that failed. Yeah, that was uh, that was really good. I I, I thought that, that, that was a I, fantastic I, I, idea of trying yeah, to smoke I them out. Yeah, I thought the tactics were good. I thought that would be, yep, that would be great. We didn't realize there was a giant river down the bottom, and they just no, <laughs> no, no. I, I was sitting there, I was like, yeah, I see what you're doing. You go with yeah. it, go with it. We'll see. And it's one of those things, like, do you prepare for it? I don't know, like, because sometimes I, I, I question, am I prepared enough? Am I prepared enough? And this particular session, our last session, I thought about a lot of things that are possibilities that could happen. So was I prepared for every conversation? In, fa- in fact, this, this reminds me, I was listening to Critical Role and Matt Mercer, and they, they were going through this scenario where he was playing this character who was, I think he was a drow, if I remember rightly. And the, the players had captured him. And I, and then the players were, were basically sitting there saying, well, do we kill him? Do we take all those stuff? Do we send him off naked and stuff like this? And then he sent him off. And I was sitting there thinking, how much of that was Matt Mercer prepared for or how much did he had live? And I sit there and think, compare with what I know, because that's all I can do is I can only compare with what I know. And mm-hmm. I'm like, I had lived so, so much. Like, yeah. in this past session what ended up happening was you guys got into this big debate with a diplomat from the GFA, or sorry, there was a diplomat from the Pallet Court. There was a barrister from the GFA. We go back to the start. The point that I was getting at, without getting too far into it, was although I knew what would be the Pallet Court's interest and what would be the GFA's interest, everything was ad-lib. I did not prepare those conversations at all. Hmm. But yes, okay, let's go back. The scenario started, you guys were, there was a one shot that one of our other members, the player who does Elbrum, wanted to GM a session. So we started out where you guys returned to your apartment. Could we talk about one shots? Our opinion, if you're a DM, Hmm. about making a one shot happen for one of your players so they get some experience of being a DM. Because we have have an opinion. I don't mind... From the point of view of story, no, no, but, I'm not, but no, from no, the point I'm, of view, I'm, I'm not talking about the story. I'm talking about just from the. If you're a DM, it was really convenient for me from the point of view because yeah. at that particular uh, time, I had 
some work issues that uh, that conflicted as well as I, I was preparing mm. for the the fantasy ground online conference so i was happy to say yeah 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 please go ahead the comment i guess i, w- I want to make about this is that for a player who's never run a game before yeah to be able to run it in that that secure environment yeah knowing that it's the same five guys that you've been playing with for the last couple of months yeah. is a great way to learn how to do it, yeah. have a crack at it, see if you like it, see if you don't like it. Yeah. And that the comment I would make is that if, you, if you're currently a DM that runs a game, ask your players if they want to have a crack at it yeah. and give them a shot. It gives them, it gives them a look at it from the other side and, and it also gives them a chance to, to get in amongst it. I think what I would do differently next time is I will have some pregens available and say, here you go, people can use the pregens instead of yeah. their standard characters. Now, I understand the idea of using standard characters perhaps is to maybe learn a little bit more about your abilities and stuff like that. But in a one-shot, it's more about giving the GM an opportunity, so it's better that yeah. everybody's on equal footing. Yeah. Anyway, so just that's my two bobs worth there. Yeah. But he shot. did good. He did good. He did good. I, I was sad that I could only. I had fun in the first session one shot where I was playing a player because I, I don't get to play enough and I miss yeah. playing. But I couldn't play in the second one because I was doing night shift. And anyways, so anyway, we're all back in the. Everybody arrives back in the apartment. I did have fun because in that one shot, you decided to destroy your front entrance to your place. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I so wasn't gonna I was walk- going to use that. I was sitting there thinking because I recognized that I didn't want to return things to the very moment that you guys were at before the one shot and just completely ignore that the one shot happened. So, no, no, one shot did happen. That took you an entire day. So you came back to the apartment through a portal. Elbrum's asleep and you guys arrived with this new one of of the new players who, who came in with you. And I was sitting there thinking, okay, well, where we left off was you guys were with Lugo. And you needed to go to the pallid court because he wa- the whole purpose was the GFA. They wanted the withered hand that you guys had because mm-hmm. they felt that it belonged to them because it was. They felt that it came from the pyramid, and this was where char- the character Kalen. He, you guys, had set up where he was using it as a fake hand and and was going to deceive and decept and do a deception on it. And you rolled really really well for it. And I was just like. It could work. It could yeah. really, really work. But when I was trying to steer the conversation as Hazi so that Hazi didn't want to talk about stuff he was uncomfortable with, he tried to misdirect. And so he's like, what happened to your hand? And Kane was like, took it off. Oh, here. And I was, I was like, well, uh, so much for your guys' <laughs> disguise. So they felt the withered hand belonged to them. So that was the whole point of why when you guys are like, we're going to go back and you're playing up from being the pallet court... Th- I was just like, how do I do this? And I was like, okay, Lugo's going to go with you. So Lugo was there. So the whole point was, how do I get you guys to go back to the pallet court? And I was just like, well, if it's a day later and you were supposed to meet the next day, then I can be like, send a letter and be like, where were you guys? We were waiting for you. So that's what happened. So you received a nicely letter. And I I was also thinking, well, they broke the front door. I'm not going to let that fly. So I sent a quote. Another letter with a quote. Yep. And there was something else. I try my best to throw plot threads at you guys. Yep. And I I think clearly you guys didn't you missed one of the plot threads. And that's fine. We'll see what the consequences of that are, and I'm not saying any more about it. But ultimately, you guys were like, let's go to the pallet court, let's go to the pallet court. And and then one of you guys was like, but the letter says don't be there until 10 a.m. Because this, you, you guys yeah. returned to the apartment at like one o'clock in the morning mm. through the portal. I was really curious to see what am I going to do, and I had a plan if you guys did go, uh, or at least I had an idea of what I should do if you guys did go earlier. But it didn't. One of you guys convinced the others, and I, I was really quiet. I enjoyed the fact that I didn't have to talk much except for the role play part of playing the NPCs in this, in this previous session. So I, I did enjoy that. And you guys just chattered, chattered, chattered. And you're like, okay, we're going to 10 a.m. And so the only thing I threw out was, okay, you get your good night's sleep, Oraki and Elbrum. I, I didn't play up the, the point of feeling the extra power of, of having leveled, which I should have, I forgot. Mm. But 
was the next morning. It was bright and early the next morning. And I, I did kind of insinuate, you're in a metropolis, uh, Oraki, you've got no more armor. And was, that was enough to get you guys to think, oh yeah, we should probably take care of gear. And yeah. maybe I shouldn't. Maybe I shouldn't do that. Maybe I should not let you guys think about that. And if you don't remember to go and do that, too uh, bad, so sad. Actually, before you mentioned that, that was on my list of things to, to do. I looked at my inventory and realized that I had bucket loads of stuff. So I would have pushed the point that I need to sell all this, all the stuff that I've got. And at that point, I think yeah. the others would have come on board yeah. with, oh, hang on, we need to buy stuff yeah. as well. And I had I had a couple of shops set up and ready. Yeah. What I realized is I didn't have a store ready. And I didn't want you guys always to go to the Crimson Nib. I wanted to give you some options. And I was like, shit, I didn't have a, a little tavern or restaurant close by that you guys yeah. could get to. But anyways, because those little location things are neat. And, and revealing yeah. the green pins, I think, is, is kind of neat. And the one thing that I have to admit is I wish we could color those pins. So like restaurants are this color, taverns are this color. Yeah. So that at least, because as far as you guys go, you got a mouse, and, and me too, is you got a mouse over all of those damn pins. To find out which one you know. To find out which one yeah. is which. And I realize now that as I mouse over, I've got these ridiculous names. I'm just like, that doesn't tell me what it is. <laughs> right, so blah, 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 blah. Is that a tailor? Is that a restaurant? I have no idea. How are the pins done? Is that an extension? No, the pin the pins, so... With a map, you can drop anything on a map. It can be a sound file, which is just, the pins are just links. They're mm. linked to different XML objects. It could be a sound XML. It could be a story XML. It could be an encounter XML. Or yeah. it could be a location XML, which is typically what you see is I, I put location XMLs there. I use the location XMLs because in a location, it gives me a brief description. If there's inventory stuff that you can purchase, it's there as well as there's a couple other tabs that I use that have extra pins in it that are like story elements and stuff like that. So yeah, it's just simply, you drag the shield, you drop it on yeah. the map, and a pin appears. Nothing more than that drag drop, thank God. If it was more than that, I wouldn't use it. Well, there you go. There's, a, there's an extension to build. And the pin will be a graphic image. And so you should be able to... I talked... To, there's a Look one of that. the developer not developers like moderators on the forum was asking about colored pins and i seen that and i was like god i want this but he went and he talked because he wanted to do an extension as well and they found out that it's inside the core so you can't do it because it's embedded in the core but yeah which but there is nice. there is a possibility that the uh, you're saying the location is a it's just it's within the it's within the xml file an xml file yeah so there might be a possible possibility that you can move the mouse over the top of the pin and then yeah, so, change. Well, yeah. You know, perhaps. Draw, draw a ring around it or something. Have a, have a color so that when rather than... Say within a location, like for example, in the character sheet, you have your avatar. You can drag that avatar, drop it on the map. Yeah. And then if I double-click that avatar, your character sheet opens. Mm. So, I mean, that's, yeah. I mean, I'll have a look at that. That's, that's not a bad idea yeah. because have something else instead of that the you can typical drag shield out the yeah, XML yeah, file. yeah 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 anyway we bought and we sold stuff so that's right you bought and sold some stuff before you guys went and bought and sold stuff someone arrived at your door and he picked up the letters for you and introduced himself and he was this this big tiefling that was standing in here that was our sixth player yep and i i figured this is where i figured mick was off his game because i was really expecting Calidus to give him the how to what for because Kalidus always does, <laughs> and Kalidus <laughs> didn't. I was like, huh, okay. Because I really expected, like, who are you? Why are we going to let you into our group? And I was really hoping that y you guys would give him the fire of, of, you know, prove yourself, give us some stuff. Because I I've been really waiting. I've heard, yesterday I heard again one character is like, I'm not sure if I should tell you guys. I was really waiting for this, why wouldn't you tell us? I was really waiting for us, I mean, why is your, why is your story a secret? Yeah. You're here for a reason. Like, for example, Kalen in the tunnels, he came from the Tuscali tunnels, but you guys know nothing about him yet. Mm. And so in this particular conversation, someone was asking Kalen something, and he was just like, I, I don't know if I can tell you. And I was sitting there thinking, and as a player, I'd be like, that's not an answer to me. I wouldn't accept that as an answer. I'd be like, why not? What's so, you know, what's the, what's the big deal? But at the same I'm, time... I, I'm wondering, I mean, if you put it 
in that context, it's there are three of us. Yeah. So, in that context, it's you take whatever you can get. Yeah. And there's no quiz to get into the group. You just get into the group because we yeah. know we're short. No, no, of course. And, and not, and I'm saying that not from a player point of view, but just no. from a, a role playing point of view. You look at it and say, you want to have four there. Yep. Four is good. Five is even better. If you, if you get six, then you get to the. If if a seventh player rocked up, then we would be. The conversation would be: Do we want a seventh? If we have a seventh, who's going to die? Is it manageable? How do we, how do we work? How do we deal with? I mean, we're starting to build an army. Rather, this than... this this doesn't change the fact that five is a number. So we've got yeah. six for now. The the point really was: We find out is this going to be a solid group, and if it's going to be a solid. group... Well, I'm group, thinking about this from a role playing yeah, yeah, point from of view, a ro- yeah, and saying yeah. that if if there were five of us. If there were six of us as a role-playing group, we're in a we're in a unit that's got five or six bedrooms yeah. in it. This is the the obvious thing is that if from a role-playing point of view, you would take the sixth as they came along and go, yeah, we've got six. There is, I think, a seniority within yeah. our group, yeah, which consists of myself, Baraki, and Elbram, and we would have the conversation. I think if another one showed up and going, guys, you know, not going to happen. Six-bedroom house. I was... Don't bother and. The three of us are staying, and if one of you wants to leave, yeah, we'll take the we'll take the the dragon that walks through the door. That's fine. I was waiting for you guys to say something like, "By the way, you can join us, but um, when it comes down to finding treasure, you don't get the half of the treasure. You only get like <laughs> you get a, a lower percentage." I, see, I, I get. I don't think that we're we're that mercenary. No, no, of it's interesting, not. isn't it? Because when you look at the the transactions in terms of buying and selling, yep. We sold everything that we had. We got piles yep. of gold. Yep. And we know that if someone doesn't have something, yep. then we need to buy it for them. Yep. Which is exactly so, what you guys did. Which is exactly what happened. Because there's no point, yeah, there is no point ending up in a situation where a couple of your members don't have well, what I, it is I, they I, need to deliver the, the outcome that you expect. I, I do admit I did egg a little bit on that because Kaylin wasn't saying anything. And... Because you, Elbram, and Oraki, you guys express yourselves very, very well, which is what I expect to continue because in this particular session, yes, there was two very new players who I haven't GM'd. They were quite quiet, but... Go back in the history, and Oraki was quiet when he came in. Was he? Yeah, he was. Oh. When there was myself and Elbram and the, the two thieves, everybody was loud. Yep. And everybody was over the top. Yep. And then uh, Thieves left. And it, and it's not... It's the new kid on the block syndrome. Yep. He's like you know, he's now part of the senior management group. Yep. Only because he's been there long enough. And when he speaks, everybody shuts up and listens. Yeah. And he doesn't hold back yep. when he speaks. So I think it's a time thing. I, yeah, okay. I think... Ultimately, like I, I... Interesting question is how long, how long do you have to... How, how many how many games do you need to play with your group before you become before you reach your up, comfy where level? You can say, "Hey, can you please lend me some money and buy me some armor, please?" Yeah, and is it four or is it five? Yeah, because I think that I think that if you haven't got comfortable after four, four or five, if you well, if it, you it, haven't figured out where you fit within the hierarchy after four or five games, then at the same time too, like you guys as the established players as well. I mean, are you comfortable saying? Yeah, here you go. Here's 50 gold for some chainmail player who's brand new and could leave the next day. Yeah. It goes but from our ways. point of view, we don't. Ways. Our point of view, and maybe we're a unique group in those terms, that, that our position is that we have an expectation that as a new player, you're going to stay. So, so yes. it's, it's, it's the opposite of what you find in real life in terms of trust, yeah. which is people say you earn trust. Yeah. Our situation is that you, you are trusted until give, you screw up. Yeah. Yeah, and that's unfortunately that's what we do because you're right. You can't really grill the new player. You just accept that he's going to be a new member of the team, and and grilling him too much could turn things really negative. And I don't think I think you and I would have just loved the scenario of being grilled in terms of oh yeah, you want we to join just, the group. We would have we would have thought that would be great. We would, yeah, it would have been we would, had, we would have laughed with given it. A hard time. Yeah. yeah, because I mean, yeah. after there was a comment on Discord today or yesterday about. Matt, did we really want to hold on to that withered hand? And I know I'm jumping ahead, but I so enjoyed the banter that was going on as you guys were trying to... Well, clearly, Kalen was trying to keep the hand, and he's coming from that point. 
And I just kept pushing and pushing and pushing. Now, I was not trying to railroad that situation at all. Mm -hmm. I, I was from the point of view, he's a barrister from the GFA. He honestly believes that belongs to him. He's not going to go down unless there is irrevocable proof that, that you guys would have to do and win. And I know you guys <laughs> tried some deception checks and stuff like this, but the deception checks you had to have win were very, very, very high, and you didn't win any of them. So uh, none of that, that worked. But, okay, so... Anyway, going back, going we've back. done the buying and selling. And so, yes, the, the tiefling stuff. came. You allowed him to walk with you guys. You had your long night's rest. You went and did the buying and selling stuff. And at 10 a.m. sharp, you were back at your apartment to grab the earth sled that had yeah. the pallet court had arranged the earth sled to come and take you back to the pallet court. And so basically this was now returning to the very last location you guys were at from three weeks ago where you're now at the entrance to the pallet court. And I had every intention of doing this. Well, no, I didn't. I closed that session early because you guys had took it in such a direction that I was not prepared. So now yeah, I was prepared for it. This was the, yes. You guys arrived at the pallet court and the pallet court was closed. I don't and, get why the pallet court's closed. That just, well, how dare they close the pallet court? Like, yeah. I understand, like, you know, the pallet court's open 24 hours a day. Yeah, that makes sense. If it's only open at night time, that makes sense. But you'd think they'd put up a sign saying, pallet court closed during the by day. by the Council of Sound. Yeah, and so that we would know that it's always closed from 9 a.m. in the morning till, you know, sunset at night. Oh, no, that's not the reason why it was closed. No, no, but that's what I'm saying is, yeah. is that... We just keep wandering up to the pallet court, and for some strange reason, they keep closing it. And this is just like, hey, hang on a minute, guys. Uh, I, when Elbrum wanted to, to run a session, he was like, what, am I, what, do I, what do we do? Do we start him up at the, the pallet court? And I was like, yeah, just, just tell him that it's, it's closed. Because at that point, I had thought up enough of that, that I wanted there to be a sign there, and I wanted to see what you guys did. Yeah. So, I mean, you guys did arrive there, and you guys were like, it's closed? What do you mean it's closed? And I, I was prepared for that, and I had some guy who was because at the end of the the pallet at, at the bridge that goes to the pallet court, at the entrance there, there's the kiosk where you give your blood. Yep. And so someone, an old fella, left, yep. and came up, and you guys are watching this, and you guys had like enough of a conversation that you're like, oh, okay, so yes, the pallet, we, we can go in. So I I enjoyed that. At first, you I did, was hoping that would go somewhere too. I was hoping that there would be a connection between me and the and the old bloke oh okay okay so well the old bloke was the guy who left because he donated blood and he just he was sad because he just had a single oh, yeah. gold piece but when you got there the guy who was running the the the, the, the blood, blood kiosk yeah was a half elf an yeah. el elf marked so and his what i know about him was that he i don't know what you guys picked up on it i tried to put imply a few things on that one yeah, and I thought that, and you implied that we might be related. That didn't and, so, and I'm thinking, like, <laughs> we're related? Cool, I can work with that. I, I, I did not expect you to take it that, in that direction. I, I, well, you said I, that he was, he, he was he, curious he, about lineages, you yeah. know, because his elven heritage was important to him because if you're, if you're elf marked, you got status within that society. Yeah. So that's important. So he, from my point of view, was. I said a few th certain things, hey, hang and on. then hang, I wanted hang, to distract just, you guys from just, investigating just those go, things. Just go back. If you're elf mark, you've got status within the society. Yes. Hang on. I'm elf mark. Yes. I have no status within the society. Every time I come out there and try and wave a bit of power around, I get crushed. Yeah, because you <laughs> have, I, have I got the wrong kind of mark? Is that the no, problem? No, no, no. You're you're totally you're totally half elf. But the the problem is. Your charisma is crappy. Yeah, I know. I've got the charisma of a house. <laughs> so you, you come out there, and I'll have you do your persuasion and deception checks, and you fail, yeah. and so it doesn't work for you. Anyway, so there's the old bloke there. He's elf-marked. I'm elf-marked. Yep. We think we're related, maybe. Yeah, you guys, you go through your heritage, and he's talking about his great-great-great-grandma. Yeah. And then he's like, what about yours? And you are like, uh, I don't know. <laughs> Okay, I, like, I put you on the spot because I was just like, he's talking about where he's from. And he's like, so where are you from? And you couldn't remember. <laughs> yes. It was at this point that I became distracted. Yeah, it's at that point you became distracted. But so that didn't go anywhere. So I was hoping that would go somewhere. 
I, I might have to invent some heritage that matches his heritage. So the next time we meet, um, I can come up with a story. And the other thing was, too, is I whispered some things to Elbrum there, and I was yeah. waiting to see if he would share it with you guys, and he didn't. And was I, it, I was curious. Was he, it game-related, or was oh, yes. it... Yes, very That's much plot, indeed. Plot-related. With what he was doing there. So, I mean, I, I shouldn't tell you, but I'm... Well, I have but nobody no, to I talk about I, this I, stuff I, with. I guess the question is, is it major plot-related, as in it's critical to the whole thing, or is it just some little mini-plot that you threw in there that would have been amusing? I'm not going to say. Okay. That, that, that part I can't say. I'm yes. just saying that I was excited about some of these little things that I throw in there and, and to see what you guys do with them. And then when you guys don't do anything, I'm just like, ah, oh, well, bugger, that didn't work. Yeah. <laughs> so anyways. What? Yeah, it's, he, if you get thrown something, you got to share it. I mean, that's, yeah. Well, as far, as far as I can without giving away too much, I will. Yeah. But, uh, no, no, but if you give it to a player, I mean, we've had this conversation before. If the player gets given something and then that doesn't deliver it to everybody else, then that's a problem. It's kind of like when, when yeah, the language issue, when the, the big bad guy stands up there and yells at you in giant and only one of your players can talk giant, hears what's said and doesn't say to the others, oh, the giant says that the other guys are about well, to attack you from behind. My, my hope, though, is that it might not be obvious at the moment but I, I still strangely i still remember jenny when jenny finally attuned to the grimalkan eye mm. and became aware of what it did i mean nobody else picked up on the fact that after finding out what the grimalkan eye did that it, it explained a lot of what you guys were experiencing with regard to uh, how things like the cats were acting and what was going on with mr's henna and whatnot so my hope is that if the players are invested enough, that at some point in the future, when enough of the threads culminate, mm. that it'll just become, oh God, that's what that was all about. Yep. That's my hope anyways. So that, that's why there is that business of, of providing for every, for every obstacle that exists, you should have three different ways in which to solve that. I, I have to admit that is a oh, that is a challenge to find three different ways for people to see see different things. I, I tend to be more of mm. throw thread, throw thread, throw thread, and and in in fact, sometimes you guys yourselves will say something that adds to something that I I, I completely missed. Like for example, the Kell brothers when you guys first met Mistress Princess Karima. I'd forgotten something, and then when they remembered something about the the Crimson Paw and the Dogs of Bastet, I had no connection there. But it was something the Kell brothers said that opened up a new avenue for me to add a new plot thread to it. Mm. So when you guys are invested in the story and you guys remember parts of the story, it actually helps me further develop and tie some of that stuff together. Yeah. So my, my hope was always going to be I'll throw a thread out there and I might actually forget it. My notes are not perfect, for sure. Yeah. But the idea is, is that it would, it, it, it ties, it does. Hopefully, it doesn't become a strand that becomes forgotten and missed. Yeah. The idea is that it does lead to a greater story. And I mean, and to that end, I mean, when the tiefling came in, the first thing he said to you guys was, "I, I I'm looking for a group that is actively standing against the Tuscali." Yep. And I thought. Uh, that's good. That's a good introduction. I thought that was a perfect introduction. What other good way is there to, to really say to a bunch of strangers, hey, well, let's work together? Uh, yeah. And that's, because, I mean, you guys... You know, that goes back to, to day one, doesn't it? Yeah. And that and, was and, the first thing that we did. And realistically, at, at least from what you guys know so far, you haven't heard anybody else having met with the Tuscali and have been dealing with the Tuscali in um, in And... Interestingly, too, the Tuscali issue is not yeah, out there in the public domain yet as a, as a major... Oh, there's yeah, not okay. a lot of panic going on yeah, about yeah. a Tuscali invasion. Yeah. And we haven't actually asked him that question, I guess, and that's the other thing, too. We haven't really asked him about how, does, how did he find out about this Tuscali issue. Actually, this, that actually raises an, an interesting point about a common knowledge thing. I remember in another session where I was a player... And the question was, we were talking about mummies, and we encountered a, I forget what kind of mummy it was, but 
there was a question of would we know that a mummy is is vulnerable to fire, and the DM was like, no. And I I I, I did debate him with him after, and I was like, but this comes down to common knowledge. You you sit there and you think in our lore, like forget D and D lore and the very specifics we might know about what a vampire is immune and immune to. Their stories. And stories would be out there, especially if they are in a, a society that they're prevalent in. For, for us, in our lives, it's just nothing but legend and lore, and, and that's it. Encountering is not something that's real. In these magical worlds, it's, it's a possibility. Yes, the mm. heroes encounter. So the lore about other creatures would be out there. So there would be common knowledge that things like fire might be disastrous or... There, there's something about wood or, or garlic related to vampires. Mm. That stuff's out there. Now, as the GM, I can take that information and use it however I want. Do I really make them vulnerable to fire? It's, it, for me, I can very readily say, okay, in a monster manual, it says that mummies are vulnerable to fire, but in this world, we'll change it. We'll make it more interesting yeah. because what you're dealing with is common knowledge versus player meta knowledge where where they've played the game enough that they're very familiar with mummies we'll just keep with that mm. one that they know that mummies are vulnerable to fire yeah. and so right away i'm going to use my fire damage because i want to be sure that i do that get the extra damage yeah. well for me okay he's not vulnerable to fire anymore this particular one is vulnerable to acid and up to you guys to figure that stuff out. And, and I try to do that like a, a few times. A couple of the players in our session have done something with a punch or something like this that was very, very powerful that I whispered to them. They discovered something about the creature they're fighting and a vulnerability or... or we, we, are, we as a group have become far more aware, I think, about the expectation of our attack. If yeah. we strike something... We have an expectation of what will happen, and typically it seems that we will strike it again, and if we get two bad results in a row, yep. in terms of the damage that we expect, then we will figure out that that's just a bad way to go after it. Yeah. That there is, that they have got some kind of way of, of reducing the damage yeah. or not getting hurt, yeah. and and. That's something that seems to be... Uh, uh... Yeah, and I like that there's been a couple of times after a battle where you guys have, uh, at least the, th- the three we... primary players have sat there and be like, hey, did you notice that when I did this? And I, I like that because to me, that makes sense. Having that discussion and be like, oh no, I didn't notice that. Ah, crap, really? Yeah. And I mean, then and then, and then, yes, that, and then that becomes, conversations. And then that becomes a part of it. Yeah. And I guess part of it also becomes that, and we... We need to remember to do this, I guess, is the next time we come up against a creature of that particular type, yep. the, the new players that we have in our group is to tell them that yes. it's, it's not going to be hurt. Which, yep. again, in a, in, a, in a battle environment is something that you would say, yep. don't bother hitting it with a sword, it's vulnerable to fire. Yep. You would be able to get, get away yep. with saying that. Yep. And then within the group it becomes... You know, and then it's, it's not meta because you guys, yeah. you have met it and you've got new players and you're introducing them to something and that's that completely we already valid. Know. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, that, and that's right. So uh, long story short, getting back. So you yeah. left the blood clinic for yeah. lack of better words. And you're asked him and you're like, oh, so what's up with it? I don't know if you caught this because I, you might've been a slightly amiss there, but they were asking, why is it closed? Cause there was twice okay. that why is the pallet court closed? And in both cases, uh, the, the guy at the blood clinic was like, well, Council of Sand closed us. But at one point later on in the session, you found out his fact that it was closed because the Council of Sand and the... Do you remember why they asked you to go investigate the pool of blood? So this is way before all the pyramids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There, was, there was an issue between... The vampires and the vampires were being blamed. That's right, for something that was happening related right. to the, because it was a pool of blood. It, the vampires were being blamed for it. That's right. Yeah. So, so the, the pallet court is it now actually being closed by the council because of permanently? That. Yes. So even though they're closed, they are vampires, and so the council knows that, and they can't 
restrict the council from still doing the the voluntary blood because mm -hmm. if not they uh, could just, have a vampire issue yeah so that that part stays open but all the other regular activities have been that might be giving way too much but anyways so that means the balls don't get held the balls well that's the thing eh and that's and the this is why later on you ask the guy where to go and he's like okay the I try to paint a picture now a little bit better of what you see when you're in a pallet court. Hacienda stuff, it's like 10 o'clock in the morning and whatnot. Uh, he points you across the way to the end of the island, and there's open, there's these covered walkways everywhere, mm -hmm. uh, but everything is very open, very Hacienda, like Spanish style. Yep. So you guys get to, to the area, and you find the door that has Ranjit's name on it, and he's the guy who invited you guys to come there, and you open up the door. There's Lugo sitting there beside another overweight fella named Cero, and who is the barrister for the GFA. And he's quiet. He's got this high-pitched voice who talks like this. It sounds uh, dodgy. Yeah. <laughs> yes, your, vo your you voice were, is uh, too high-pitched. You must be evil. <laughs> no, no. It was the way that you. It was the way that you played him. It wasn't so much that he was. It was the the term the phrases that you used for him. Yeah. Clearly, he was he was a, a typical dodgy lawyer. Lawyer, yeah. And I guess on the balance of probability, he's a lawyer. Yep. Therefore, he's probably dodgy. Yep. Because there aren't many good guys around, yep. unless you watch Suits, in yep. which case there's lots of them. Yeah. So lawyers have a bad name, and so yep. it'd be the fact that he is a lawyer, and lawyers have such a a bad name. He must clearly be bad. I I, I had thought about coming up with was, a new name was... for a lawyer in this world, but I was like, screw it. I mean, there's so much hidden innuendos with the word barrister and lawyer that I was yeah. like, nope, just leave it as it is. Yeah. And he did, he did, he did trip up once too. Anyway, continue on. So he, so, and then of course, Rajit was in there. And of course, Rajit, as soon as you opened up the door, he, he ducks for cover and hides in the shadows. Yeah. Uh, and you guys walk in, uh, close up the door and he's, you know, have a seat and the session begins. And it is basically, Lugo and Rajit had been there their previous day. They had proved and validated to the, the pallet court that they had claim to this hand. Uh, they had all the paperwork there, the contract with the city and everything like this. And so Rajit's like, guys, you, you got to give it over. There's, and you guys are claiming that it wasn't, that it belonged to, it didn't belong and blah, blah, blah. And they're like, well, and then at 1.0 unfurled an identification scroll. It's like, well, let's just see. Now, at this point, Kalen, he had attuned to it. So he knows it is yeah, the, the withered hand. hand of Cabal. Well, it's not Cabal's hand, but it belongs it's to Cabal as part of the yeah. identification. So Kalen is very aware of this. And because he, he, he attuned to it the night before, you guys yourselves had not seen the actual, in Fantasy Ground, the actual this. You only know that he's attuned to it and knows what it is. So No, he, no, no, no. We, we, we know what it is. No, but what because I mean is we, I, I didn't share the description of it by I can right-click and share so you guys can all see the descriptions. So you guys attuned to a bunch of things. You didn't actually get your long rest because you mm -hmm. went and identified, I don't know, three or four or five things that stuff. you had. So you spent the night uh, attuning to stuff, and everybody else just attuned one thing because they wanted their long rest. Mm -hmm. So he attuned to it, and I did not share the descriptions after each of those items were attuned, I left it up to you guys to role play okay. what those descriptions were. So you, yes, you knew that it was his hand, but did it have any special properties to it? Well, it's part of the three items that yes. that you need to, and we know that from That's the right. encounter in the in the pyramid. The three objects of power of yeah. Kowal. Yeah. So there's something about it. What is it needed for, and anything like that? That you guys don't know. You do know that the Minotaur was there. Well, did they, did they not? Within the pyramid, the the two acolytes that we found told us that there were three items that yes. you needed to resurrect Cobal. As as did the Minotaur, who yeah. was with you briefly, the Brazilian player who yeah. was a one one game one game wonder. Yeah. So we know that, and we also know that Cabal was risen. Yeah, he's he found out he's, that he was he's, risen. He's he's back and running, and he's got his own. He got the rod. Yeah. Now, so he doesn't have the scarab, and he doesn't have the he doesn't no, have the no. hand. You learned, and this is one of the things because you weren't there. That that's why you didn't level up. You had learned through the conversation with the fairy 
there was two objects of power in the pyramid. The third one he had with him. And then she clarified that had in him, which was the scarab. So he's got the scarab and he's got the rod. No, the, so the two objects of power were the withered hand and the rod. Yeah. They were the ones that were still in the pyramid. Yeah. But she said that the scarab he has with him. I thought that he took off with the rod. Nope. Nope. So who that got, was, who, who that was um, what's his name? Nakwa and I can't remember his name now. Oh, well, it's in my list here. What's his face? Was that the two acolytes? One of the acolytes grabbed it. So we started oh, okay. up the, the, next, the next session, and the very first thing that he does is Rackham. The very first thing that Rackham does is he reaches in. He goes, as soon as you guys kill off everything, that was the end of one session. New session started up. You're in that chamber. And the very first thing I do with Rackham is he runs to the sarcophagus after the last creature was dead and looks inside the sarcophagus, and there's the rod, and he grabbed the rod. And you guys didn't do anything about that because you guys all headed over right away to the hand. And that's when Oraki (laughs) yanked it off. Triggered okay. the trap, and all of a sudden the sand starts So Cabal is up and running around. Rackham's got the rod. Yep. We've got the hand, and he's already got the scarab. And Cabal's got the scarab. Yep. Now, you guys were very, very closed mouth about a lot of stuff. And I, I was curious about some of that stuff, whether you'd forgotten or not. Because at one point, I did question, are you guys saying, telling them that, specifically saying this, or were you meaning to tell them that Cabal is risen? They're like, no, no, we don't want to tell them that the Cabal is risen. Okay, okay. So you remembered that. So I, uh, I thought that was good. Uh, I liked that because I, I was wondering if they were going to say that. But they didn't. They specifically held that bit back. And so it did make me wonder, though, did they forget some of the other stuff? Did they forget that Rackham has the rod or that, that Cobal has the, the scarab? I don't know. It, hard to say. But anyways, in that conversation, so the, the lawyer was like, you need to give this to us. Here's the identification thing. Let's just identify it and be done with it, and then we'll know. And Kalen was doing an excellent job at trying to hum and haw and prevent this from happening. And at one point, they were having a conversation, and one of you guys had a good perception check that you noticed that I, I whispered to that person. You noticed that Ranjit, the, the, the pallid court's diplomat, did something under the table. And he didn't question that. And I, I did say... Do you have any questions about that? No? Okay. Back to the, we go back to the public channel then. Uh, I love Discord for that. I love being able to drag people into the private channel and, you know, here's a sound you hear the other people don't hear. And, and to be honest, as a yeah. side note, in the Westmart session that I just had Thursday night after our regular session, I did some of that stuff and the guys are like, God, the other GMs don't do this. That yeah. <laughs> was just, it just. I can't me. imagine how you could not. Having that yeah, functionality like, there, it's just silly why things. would you not like, use it? Nobody else has, uses a secondary channel to, to, to tell other people's stuff or to introduce a sound to them or they don't use the morning, afternoon, evening, the night coloring. coloring. Like, they don't, yeah, Fantasy nice. Ground does that? Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah, it does that. Anyways. Um, was it at this stage, so prior to this though, yeah. there was the, the debate about, there was a comment made by the lawyer, where he said those who don't do this will be taken out and shot, something along those yeah, yeah. lines. Prosecuted, yep. The, right? And yep. and it wasn't that they would be prosecuted, it was that they would be given summary judgment. At which point both Ranjit and Lugo turned around and said, oh, hang on, that's not how it works. Mm, that no. com- a comment along those lines was made and it was at that point that I decided that Ciro was definitely dodgy. Because when Ranjit had to who is the head of oh, the no, GFA, okay. no, no, has no, to pull sorry. up his own lawyer. No, you guys, you guys were, were, were very clearly, Hazi's corrupt, Hazi's corrupt, Hazi's corrupt. Yeah. Lugo was like, no, I work with him. He's not corrupt. And Saro was just like, hmm, really, corrupt. So yes, Saro threw Hazi under the bus. Yes, for sure. He yeah. did. That happened, yes. Yeah, which makes not, me Not think- you guys, but... Rajit, the diplomat from Pallet Court, was like, yes, you guys, if you don't give the hand, and if the hand belongs to them, you guys will be held accountable. We will not be defending you in this specific case. And what I loved, though, was, uh, I don't know if it was Kalidus yourself or Elbrum that said something. It wasn't me. And then Rajit was like, because 
implied that you guys were related to the Palad Court and you're doing this on behalf of the Palad Court. And so Rajit was put on the spot in front of Lugo and Ciro to defend you guys that you guys were there on their behalf. And they didn't throw you guys under the bus, specifically. And the reality is, they don't owe you anything, right? You don't have a contract with the Palad Court. You have nothing. No. All they said is, can you please go deal with the blood? We'll provide you with the sandship to get you there. Yep. That's all. So I thought that was, I, I was wondering if anybody had actually caught that, but clearly from your interaction right now, you didn't even catch it well, either. I wasn't, no. At this you were, point, yeah, at at this point, point in time, were, yeah. should, should make a mention here, and this is one of the reasons why your players can be the worst thing in the world, is that they'll get halfway through a session, yep. and then they will get distracted. Yeah. Something just, will come up. Just as I walked into this meeting, yep. I got distracted yep. for about two hours, yep. which means that most of what you hear from here on in, I know nothing about. Well, <laughs> yes, the speakers were on. No one was paying any attention. Yeah. So, I've just, I, so a lot of this is going to be about me clarifying what I have to type in my notes. Yep. So you're telling me that um, the lawyer has thrown Hazi under the bus. So we've so actually Sarah, con- at, at that point, so... So Ciro basically, is actually convinced you that Hazi is dodgy. So what ended up happening is you guys did a very, very good job, and you did some good roles at basically proving that Hazi was corrupt. So at the beginning, no. Ciro and Lugo were like, bullshit, bullshit, bullshit. But you you provided the papers for... The two Knowles. Garo, yeah. who was the, the leader of the Knowles that had killed the other Knowles. Yeah. And of course... I love that Oraki was like, wait a minute, wait a minute. What about the Knowles from Dabu? And Lugo was like, yeah, I, I vetted their papers. They're legitimate archaeologists. I mean, I, I don't understand what you're talking about because Lugo was just shocked at what you guys were saying that any of this was happening. And what, what I thought was very interesting is that you guys very clearly omitted any conversation about the acolytes. So as far as Lugo and Cyril are concerned, everybody was dead. Mm. Everybody's dead. That, that at the end... Hazi had some people in there and killed everyone, and then you guys killed everybody else. So they have no idea. Sarah and, and Lugo have no idea that... Two acolytes are on that the run. Acolytes, now, I assume that was by intention on your guys' part, because nobody mentioned anything about it. I, I think the, our intention was to demonstrate that, that Hazi was crooked. And, yep. it, and it, it now, is, is Hazi crooked on his own, or is there someone above him pulling the string? Yeah. And, and, and that was interesting because, like, you guys... Well, the other thing you learned from Saro was you learned that although he's a barrister, he was connected with a lizard woman from the, the state of Lignus. And her, her name was Srodus, who is the owner of the GFA. And she's the one who signed the contracts. And so at one point, the new player who's the tiefling, he's like, I'd like to see those contracts. And they push over this 100-page volume of papers to him. And, he's, and you look at that and you're like, all the signatures for the Council of Sandard in there, and you're like, oh, God, this is legitimate. Mm-hmm. The tiefling character, whose name is Akmenos, he was like, do I know this is legit? And I was like, roll, very high roll. You know it's completely legit. And he's like, guys, this is legitimate. I don't think we've got grounds to stand here. So, that, but that, I, that, that only means that the GFA is legit. They are, they are legitimately there. But it, have, doesn't mean, it doesn't mean that everybody in their structure is... No, of course not. Is, of course. So who does, did we find out who Hazi reports to? You found, well, you found out too that you guys may, were arguing very, very strongly about you didn't send a report that the, about the Tuscali in the temple to the, to the Council of Sand. And Lugo was like, no, no, I did, I did, I did, I know I did. And you guys were pushing that point because you were thinking that Hazi hadn't sent it, but he did. So the discovery of the Tuscali and that they chased them away, and that there was more Tuscali inside, at which point the discovery of the extra Tuscali inside is where I hoped, I forget who, who got the perception check, but saw, they were the ones that saw that Ranjit was doing something under the desk. What he was doing was he was signaling Ahit, and Ahit came in, mm-hmm. and so Ahit came in, threw open the doors, you know, standing silhouetted in the doors, you know, sun shining through, and Ranjit dives again for the shadows, her fangs are out, and I have to admit, out of character or not, I'm going to say it. nobody made a comment about that descriptive entrance. That, and I was really expecting to hear some kind of a comment about a vampire standing clearly in the sunlight and is not affected. But nobody said anything. So I was like, okay, all right. 
I guess that's uh, not relevant. But anyway. Oh, look, the penny drops. Yes, of course. Yes, of course, the penny I just, drops. I just spilled everybody the beans else, on Everybody else is diving for cover except for our heat. Yep, that's right. So our uh, heat was not affected by the sun. Mm-hmm. So anyway, so she stands in the door, and so she's... Uh, she's and she basically comes in and she's the how to what for she's the the nail in the coffin that says look just identify the hand if it belongs to them give it to them the the contract is true we're not we are not going to fight you on the contract and at which point the conversation turned to some questions about what was inside the inner chamber and elbrum mentioned that there was no mummy in the inner chamber there was a, a fairy at which point i like i he had no interest at all but as soon as you guys said that She's like, what? So she became interested at that point. And of course, Sarah was very interested. He's like, what? He's like, what do you mean there was no corpse of Cobal? And so he was like very, he became very interested in, you guys did clear it out, but there was no Cobal in, in the main chamber. And he's just like, how can this be? And nobody said anything else about it, right? They let, they, they, they were very quiet about that. And I thought, very interesting, very interesting. Well, so, we don't know, do we? We just know he's not there. You know that he wasn't there. You do know that he had risen because the fairy told you that he had. So I don't recall a conversation with the fairy. Well, you weren't there. Oh, that's probably why I don't recall it. Yeah. That was, that was the, the day before you came back. You came back after that, that encounter, after okay. the battle with the creatures that were left behind, yeah. the skeletons and whatnot. And there, there was one mummy. There was one mummy there, and that mummy did end up cursing Kalen. So that was when you came back. It was rushing to get back to yeah, resurrect that to life, yeah. um to heal him. And he came very close to dying. I, I love okay. that he rolled like ten d six and just managed to stay alive. Okay, so they've asked us about Cobol, and we say he's not in the chamber. Yeah, you basically you guys describe what was in. You describe the fact that there was a Tuscully hole there. That there was the big conversation, and Lugo was like, "We there was." There was eight Tuscalian. We killed six of them, but two, the two big ones got away. At which point, you guys, you guys mentioned that there was two large Tuscalian that were dead mm. inside the pyramid. And I was just like, okay, could you know, bring in stuff around and bring in some of the information. So at that point, it was just again solidifying more that okay, something was going on. Why were the Tuscalian there? Why wasn't Cobal there? So some stuff you, I, I thought that some of the stuff you didn't say by intention so from my point of view i'm just like that's all good useful tools to use to develop the story with yeah because i've I've come up with this theory and that is that hazy who is as crooked as a dog's hind leg is actually working with the toscali to raise cobal and that was my you know what's interesting though i in in facebook i wrote down here's what i wrote I, i posted a picture and how do i see the whole thing I posted a picture with a brief comment. I said, politics and intrigue at the Palace Court as the Grey Company fight to hold on to the withered hand they recovered from the tomb of Cabal. The Grey Company discloses that Hazi of the GFA is corrupt and provides proof. Lugo listens as the GFA barrister, Ciro, throws his colleague under the bus. Will the Grey Company outwit the GFA? And you know who uh, liked that comment? The president of Cobalt Press, Wolfgang Bauer. So he's seen that because what I did is oh, no. I at mentioned Fantasy Grounds and I at mentioned Cobalt Press. Yeah. And so I threw in a picture. So it's basically, there's the picture. That's the picture of Ahit, yeah. your guys' and apartment. The, yeah. And just, you know, a couple of things. So that's all I put in, in that little comment. And there's Wolfgang Bauer. So he is the president of Cobalt Press. At the end of the day, that's the whole point is trying to get bring awareness out, have pe- more people listen to the podcast and whatnot. Ho- hopefully they get caught up in the stories and whatnot. I think I, we, should, we should make a mention here too, I guess, and that is that there's the, this is the second time or third time I've played this same scenario. Yep. Never been this far before. Yep. But it's never the same twice. So far, no, no. The, the, the outcomes, the things that you come up against, so even knowing the answers doesn't necessarily no. give you an advantage. People of the interwebs, are you thinking, Damn it, man, is this an abrupt end of the episode? Yep, you are right. 
Indeed, this episode is definitely not finished and has been sundered, split in twain. But there's a light. Return in just one week. Our discussion will be concluded. Until then, bye-bye. <laughs>